0: and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to our friends in La Paz, and I set up a kind of a Facebook call with them, and we schedule a time when we're going to talk. And they wanted to talk, and so when I got on there, they said, "I was real curious." They said, "We wanted to talk to you so that you could ask us some questions." (laughs) Because the times that I do talk with them, that's usually what I do: is I usually ask them questions. Instead of trying to tell them answers, I I really want them to think through what the Lord is doing in their lives. And so many times I know I've been used to people just telling me, well, this is what, you know, God wants or this is what, you know, the Bible says or giving that kind of advice that really just tells you what they want to tell you or what they believe is best for you. But I've always learned, I think, the most. By kind of thinking through things and asking questions, and, and so I really liked that when they said, "We wanted you to ask us some questions, and so they told me their situation, and I did I asked them some questions about what they were wanting to take place, and then they would tell me, and i 'd ask them another question about what I thought you know should be asked if that 's the course they want to take and so this evening i want to start off and ask a question i want to ask does god suffer what do you guys think, does think god, hurts if we hurt. god hurts if we hurt so think about that if god does everyone think that god does suffer i can see it's kind of an interesting thought isn't it it's like wow. Because then if God suffers, why? If you're God, why would you suffer if you didn't have to? Because right? if it was me, I wouldn't suffer if I didn't have to. And if God can make it so he doesn't suffer, why would he? Um, and I think that question pushes us to a place where we have to think of things a little bit differently. We have to kind of maybe think of suffering a little bit differently. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. You can turn there. Chapter 4. And we'll do verses 1 through 6. Because there's some curious things that happen in these verses. But with that question in mind, remember, Peter here is speaking to people who had been suffering for their Christian faith. And here, as always, the overall context is a vital thing. If we take these verses out of what all has been said previously, they're going to make no sense whatsoever. And you'll understand what I mean as we read some of these verses, because some of them are like, huh, what's he saying? But let's read them together. 1st Peter chapter 4 verse 1 since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that through, though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. They're easy, easy to understand, right? And, and so remember, Peter is talking to these followers of Jesus who have been going through various persecutions because they believe in Christ. It has caused trauma to their families if they're coming from a Jewish background and their families have sided against these followers of the way. And now there is a divide because they believe that they have left the faith of Judaism and following after this Messiah who they believe is a false Messiah. You've got people who are under the Roman rule who see this as an uprising, who see these people as a sect, as a cult as something devious. Uh, A lot of their thoughts had to do with rumors that they hear, you know, that these people are cannibals, they eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. Uh, Those kinds of things were prominent so that these Christians, they didn't know a lot about them, so they thought all these crazy things. You know, they'd hear something and their minds would go crazy, not like today, where we can believe everything we read on the Internet. You know, those kinds of things just run rampant. And so here they're in this place talking about living this life for Jesus in this context. And the reason context is so important because that first verse that we read, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, That could be a little off-putting, like what's going on here? What is he talking about? What do you mean suffering you cease from sin? But remember just prior to this in verse 21, he was talking about baptism and this correspondence between baptism and Christ's suffering and how that it was not that, the baptism saved you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers, having been subjected to him. So he's talking about this idea of baptism, of this dying, but then this living, dying to who we were and being alive now to who Christ is. And so when he starts this part and he says, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, he's really picking up on this idea of baptism and this idea of being dead to yourself. And not only that, but dealing with the suffering that they're going through being similar to the suffering that Jesus went through. Because here was the Messiah and he went through suffering. And here you are, his followers, and here you are going through suffering. And so there is this tie to Jesus, tie to the idea of baptism. The idea of suffering in the flesh has to do with being dead to ourselves, dying to ourselves, and that's what he means by ceased from sin. And so that part really isn't The part that should be troubling, because when we connect it to what he's talking about, it starts to make a whole lot of sense. The part that I find interesting is when he says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. And I thought, what does that mean? Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Well, all along, we've been trying to think like Christ. This whole passage has been talking about how we are here to serve, whether you're a servant, whether you're under a corrupt government, whether you're a wife. It doesn't matter where you are, that there is a place for you that is actually above, and you're to serve God wherever you are, no matter what else the situation looks like around you. And so... That's intriguing to me, that suffering would be something that we would have to arm ourselves with, with the way we think I got it. Because suffering most of the time for me is something that I want to avoid. It's something that I want to get away from. How can I minimize suffering? I'll take some ibuprofen because I have a headache, I'll, you know, get some food because I'm hungry, I'll turn on the air because I'm hot, or I'll turn on the heater because I'm cold, or I'll take the blanket off because I was cold, but now I'm warm. You know, it it varies, but what we're trying to do is eliminate some type of suffering, but there's a deeper type of suffering that's going on, and it's when we suffer for living the way we know we should. It's when we are called to be someone, but to do that is going to cost us something. And oftentimes that's where we find ourselves how much do I press into this life of following Jesus? Because What if it starts to cost me the promotion at work? What if it costs me the relationships that I have with some of my old friends? What if it means I have to get out of my selfish attitudes and start actually engaging and have to cross some lines that are difficult for me? What if I have to march through some hazardous territory to truly engage with people so that I can connect with them? Maybe it's family. What if I have to apologize? Or what if I have to confront that uncle who did something that hurt me years ago? Or what if I have to talk to my wife or my husband about this thing that they have done or that I have done that is going to be difficult but is necessary if we're going to be healthy? You see, these are all areas that push us towards being whole, that push us towards living the life that I believe God wants us to live. But I believe sometimes it can be like Bob wire going through those things. And it's going through these areas that we actually become or start thinking like Christ. At least that's what I'm getting from here. We're, we are to arm ourselves With this thinking. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Because he's referring to Jesus here, and that's who we're trying to think like. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. We know this is the garden. Jesus goes to the garden. He's crying out to God. And he says, Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me. And we know that God hears him because of Jesus' reverence, because of who Jesus was. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us that God heard Jesus, but that Jesus was made perfect or made complete. He came to full maturity. What his plan and design was, was only fulfilled through the suffering that he went through. It's implying that Jesus was not yet complete in his mission until he actually went through this suffering. And that's what we know. His purpose was the cross, to go to the cross. That was what he was here. And so, if he did not go to the cross, his purpose would not have been fulfilled, he would not have perfected what his intention was. That's the example that we are to live in. We're to arm ourselves with this understanding that if Jesus had to go through suffering to complete what he needed to do, do you think it's the same for us? I remember years ago reading a quote by C.S. Lewis and never understanding completely. I don't think I still do what it meant where he said that Jesus didn't come so that we would not suffer, but he came so that our sufferings might be like unto his. That Jesus came not to take away suffering, but that our sufferings would be like his. And I started thinking, what does that mean, like his? And it has to do with now moving us forward to completion of who we need to be. And so this road of suffering is a necessary one. And it's one that God has journeyed before us in. And the question, does God suffer? And everyone's saying, well, yeah, you know, when we hurt, he hurts. Well, yeah, he is there in the suffering. Suffering is not a stranger to God. In fact, it is actually a tool of God to accomplish the work of God In us if we will allow it we don't have control of our circumstances you know we're talking about our friends who are now in a difficult situation as their structure and their group has changed there in La Paz and we've been praying for Kat and for Terry and for Rose and so many others we know who are hurting and going through things and our Desire is for the suffering to stop. That's what we want. But maybe we need to arm ourselves with this thinking of Christ. That more than for the suffering to stop, for the completion to take place. I don't know what that completion is. They probably don't know either. But there is the opportunity in these areas for God to work in their lives to perfect them so that they can be more like Jesus. It it was a very strong Jewish thought that suffering itself was a great purifier. That suffering was the way in which God would do a work in people Throughout the Psalms, we see things like that. Psalm 94, verse 12, blesses the man whom you discipline. You know, the Lord loves and scourges every son whom he receives. This idea of discipline, of suffering, being a tool of God to bring about a purification in our lives. And if that's the case, then maybe instead of it being something that we should try and get our lives away from, maybe it needs to be something that we actually at times lean into. Not that we want pain, not that we want to be sadistic, but that we want to grow. And oftentimes this is the way we grow. Now, for the church at this time, this was a very literal growth. It was a very literal persecution. It was a very uh, physical kind of suffering that they were having to go through. But there was this pull to get them to stop moving towards this faith in Jesus because this is just getting too difficult. In fact, there was the pull to go on and be involved with all these other things. where he talks about in verse 3, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. You see, that's the easy way. That's just giving in to whatever you want to do, no care for what is right or wrong, it's just uh, uh, consuming for your own appetites. And that's where they're being pulled towards. You you could have gone that way, but remember you were baptized, you have died to sin. Sin no longer has the hold on you And, and so you're leaning towards this other life that is much more difficult. I love the message translation of these verses. It says in these same verses since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. You've already put in your time in that God, you've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken and profligate, what is it, prolificate? It doesn't look like that, but prolificate life. Now it is time to be done with it for good. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in the old gang anymore, but you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called on the carpet and before God himself. And so here, again, just modern English is telling us that you don't have to give into that way. In fact, they're going to have to give account for what they've done before God and that we don't. And so he concludes in saying, listen to the message. It was preached to those believers who are now dead. And yet, even though they die, just as all people must, they will still get in on the life that God has given in Jesus. And so where he talks about, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. What does that mean? Are they preaching in seminary cemeteries? It's like, no, it was preached to those who didn't have life. Remember the baptism is still carrying on through this whole idea. It was preached to you even when you were dead. And even though you are going to die, it's going to be preached to all these people, but it goes on. And he says that though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit, the way God does. In other words, we have available to us the life that Jesus lives, but it costs us the death that Jesus died. In other words, the baptism, the death, the resurrection, the life, the suffering that Christ, arm yourself with that way of thinking, the suffering of your life to live for the better life. And so it's a challenge for us to not take the easy way out. It's a challenge for us to take our faith and put it into practice. And maybe we are not going through actual persecution, but there are areas where God is pushing us to that it's going to be difficult to get to. It always is. It always is. You know, there's situations in our home life where things are difficult and the easy thing to do would be for Karina and I to buy a condo <laughs> <laughs> that has just two rooms, less of a mortgage and everyone else can fend for themselves and we could go out a lot more and we could do a lot more fun things, but is that the right thing to do. It's the fun thing. It's the easier thing. But it's not really the best thing. And in so many ways, the best thing for us would be to do that. But it wouldn't be good for our kids. And in long run, it probably really wouldn't be good for us. Because what we're going through is actually teaching us a lot. We're having to grow in ways that we didn't think we needed to or ever wanted to. And it's true even in our relationships, right? When Karina and I aren't doing well, it's a difficult thing to lean into that and to talk about it. I'd rather not. Let me just watch TV instead of talk about the problem. And so those are areas where it's suffering to have to talk about the things that you don't want to. But arm yourselves with this way of thinking. Do you want to be complete? Do you want to be the better you? Do you want to have the life that God wants for you? Then arm yourself with this way of thinking because it's the way Jesus thought. And though he were a son and he had the relationship with God, he learned obedience and was perfected through that time of suffering. Do you think it's going to be any different with us? It's not. So then, where do you need to go? Where do you need to lean into? What area in your life that has this fear of suffering before you do you need to press into to become who you need to be to complete what God wants to do in you? See, I think that's the practical lesson here to recognize that for us to grow, we have to have this way of thinking. And and oftentimes, if you really want to grow, find the area that causes suffering in your life and step towards it, not away. that's so contrary to our way of thinking. But that is exactly Jesus's way of thinking. So I want to challenge us tonight while we're here. I want to take a minute and I want to pause and I want you to maybe write a note to yourself on your phone. When I talked about this way of suffering, something came to mind to most of us. I want you to write down what that is. You can do it cryptic if you don't want anyone else to know what it is. I'll just put initials, whatever it is. But I want you to make some kind of note of what that area of suffering is that you need to lean into. Do it now. If you want to do it mentally, you can. Just don't forget, if you're like me, And then what I want you to do, or what we're going to do is we're going to just take a moment and we're going to think about this area and think of how can we press into it. What conversation do you need to have? What phone call do you need to make? What steps do you need to take? What changes need to be made? so that you can step further into this. And so let's take a minute and let's just pause and let's think about that, maybe two minutes, and just think about what it is that we're gonna be having to do. What would be the first step that you have to take? Think about what that looks like, what that conversation, be, how would you bring it up? Think about why you're afraid to do it, of how it's going to make you vulnerable, how it's going to open you up for possibly more hurt. I want you to see that. I want you to name it and recognize what that fear is. And I want you to look past the fear at what the benefit to you is by making this step. How will it help to complete you, make you mature? Let's take a few moments and let's ask God for help to do what we've just thought about. Father, our faith means nothing if it does not change us. And we know that it is supposed to. We know that the evidence is fruit in our lives. And Father, fruit does not grow without the trimming, without the cutting back. Growth doesn't happen without suffering. It doesn't happen without difficulty. That growth is an exercise that requires exertion, it requires commitment, it requires diligence. And I pray, Father, that we would not settle for comfort, that we would not be complacent And that our belief in you would push us to be more like you. And God, you would help us to see where we are lacking. And that we would arm ourselves with this way of thinking. That the areas that are difficult are the areas that you are pushing us into to grow in some way. Some capacity. May we not resist your work. May we not resist the things that are difficult if they will make us better. I pray you would help each of us in these areas. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast.